Hello from Temple Bar, Dublin. Swallows flying low, see them follow seasons low, how they dance as they go. Through the rusty gate, where the fields of barley grow, go from great brown to green and gold. Night's getting cold and the barley grows gold as far as I can see. The secrets of trees whisper and breathe. They're watching over, safe under cover, the home birds and me. Welcome to Season 2 of our Tradfest podcast, brought to you by the Temple Bar Company and Falcha Ireland. That opening track was a song called Homebird. It's the title track of the new CD from Eva Scott, and it was launched at Tradfest back in January of 2020. Over the past few months, we've been speaking to music festivals and artists from across the globe about their experiences during the COVID-19 pandemic, and today... We're delighted to be talking to Irish folk singing legend Aoife Scott herself. Aoife, it's great to talk to you. Hello, Kieran. How's it going? I'm good now, I must say. And uh, we had maybe difficulty. You had a, a great hit at one stage there along the Wild Atlantic Way. And we had a bit of difficulty contacting you because you're in that area for the past few days. <laughs> yeah, we're. I'm on my holidays. Um, I'm on my staycation, as we're calling it. Uh, 
And so during the lockdown, you know, um, when everybody was in their houses and we came home from America, it was all very sudden. Um, you know, the lockdown, we were in America when it all started and we had to come home and, and kind of we were we live in a house that's kind of very rural in County Kildare. And uh, we were separated from our family for for, I suppose, three or four months. And we really missed them. I was really pining for my immediate my 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 father and my mother and my brother and his wife and the, my nieces. And so what we decided at the start of the lockdown was to come on our holidays to County Clare uh, at the end of July. So that's where we are. We were looking forward to it for so long and we're down here. We've had an amazing time. It's been brilliant. Well, you know, if anybody ever asked me what's the most beautiful county to go and visit during the lockdown, I'd say County Clare. <laughs> well, I'd say you're biased now, Kieran. to be honest. <laughs> Just a little bit. Uh, it's really lovely talking to you, I'd say, Aoife. And... You launched, of course, a Carry the Day, that album at Tradfest in 2016. I just mentioned that you were back with us for a brilliant night launching Homebird in January of this yeah. year. That was a special night. Oh, my God. And, you know, it's, it's actually kept me going through the lockdown is being really grateful that I had that before this all changed. You know what I mean? Because if I hadn't have had such an amazing night, like even on the night, I didn't enjoy myself. I enjoyed, myself, I enjoyed it, but I was working. And so now when I think back and I go, oh, my God, what a joyful night that was. And I so feel so lucky that we had it. And we had that whole week, of, uh, particularly of Tradfest, to be just having the crack and just having the best before all of this happened. Because now, sure, we're not seeing anybody. We're not, we haven't been playing that much music with anybody. And um, it's just, I just feel really lucky that we had it and we were able to launch it in the way that I wanted to launch it. And uh, we were, you know, of course, you're meant to, when you have a new album, you go touring for the whole year. You're meant to have back-to-back -back gigs, and I did. And we were meant to be in America now this weekend, um, last weekend and this weekend. And, and up until mid-September, we were meant to be uh, over there touring. So, uh, of course, uh, none of that's happening. But, uh, yeah, we had an amazing time um, in the Temple Bar uh, Child Fest. Well, Temple Bar Music Centre, I was going to call it, but it was actually the Button Factory, the old name for it, back in the day when I was a teenager, that was what it was called. But, yeah, no, it was absolutely brilliant. And I, we had Ron Block over and he played with us and it was like a dream coming true I couldn't believe it and the amount of people in the audience that I you know I knew and I didn't know I was like who are all these people that I don't know yeah I gather my family have to have to come to the gig but <laughs> who are all the rest of these people and no, it, um, was, it, it was an a, amazing night it was a it very was. special night I have to say the atmosphere there it was like it was everybody was part of the launch that's what it felt like anyway for sure at yeah. you it mentioned so Ron, Block, Ron Block there actually he was the producer. He's a Grammy Award winner, of course, but he produced the CD for you in Dublin and Nashville. How did that uh, musical connection start for you? <laughs> it's a funny one. Um, you know, two years ago, we um, went over to do the festival in Glasgow, Celtic Connections, and uh, we were in the Royal National Concert Hall, the Glasgow and we were playing before Kate Rusby and it was an amazing gig like it was just I was so nervous though and I remember my nerves getting the better of me and not enjoying the gig and I I realized after we did the show that Ron Block who was somebody that I followed since I was a teenager and was really idolized as a musician was playing with Kate Rusby so we got our picture with him but of course I was too shy to go over to him and uh, Cahill who was 20 at the time um he plays the he plays the bazooki and the fiddle. He's from Kahlo Curran from Guijor. He was straight over to Ron introducing us to Ron. And uh, then of course afterwards I was talking to Ron in the bar of, of the hotel as he would and I was telling him all about my nerves. And we became really good kind of uh, pals for the night. And then of course added on Facebook and uh, six months later then I noticed a post to say that he was in Dublin, he was sightseeing. So of course I had dropped Andy, uh, Andy Meany, my partner, into town to do a gig, a session in town. 
and uh, this is a very long story but I'll get there and uh, <laughs> I saw Ron was in Dublin and I said Ron do you know do you need any suggestions for tunes because you know Andy's gone into play with with some of the moxie lads who were, who were playing a session in town and uh, and Ron was like oh, I'm a bit nervous but walking around on my own and I said look I'll pick you up <laughs> so didn't I pick him up and bring him to the cobblestone and then we ended up in the piper's corner and uh four days later me ron and andy came home from the pub um we had been out playing tunes we met derry farrell in piper's corner and it was just an amazing experience we had the best time over the four days and he was playing with alison kraus in the point and we just became really good friends from that moment on and then i said i was just hassling him i was like i want to make an album any chance and he I somehow convinced him to let us come over to his house uh, in Tennessee and we recorded uh, Homebird over there and then we finished it off in Dublin. Yeah, so that was a fantastic it was, uh, an amazing experience. experience. Yeah, fantastic yeah. experience. <laughs> and obviously he's a, a similar kind of a kindred spirit then if he got involved that way with you. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to him about my, I was very nervous that night in Glasgow. It was a big gig, you know, it was a big gig for me. And, and when I'm kind of going into a crowd that I don't know, like that was, I hadn't ever played in Scotland before. And it was a very, very large room. You're talking, I think, I don't know how many thousand people are in it. And I was very nervous. And I was like, I wonder, are they going to understand the Dublin accent? And uh, are they going to get what's going on here? Like, um, And they did. They were exactly the crowd that I you know that was suited to me and they're you know Kate Rusby is so funny as well that she's just really really down to earth and they were just so nice and friendly to me and uh but I just I just couldn't get over how nervous I was and I had been talking to Ron about it and he was saying that he used to go through that and he gave me some tips to be able to get through it and that's how we connected and then you know we just connected uh, it, with that level and, and I had so followed his music for so long that I was such a fan and yeah we got on great and now we, we get on amazing and you know we're kind of he watched we did a live gig last night in Kilkee and he watched it and he texted and he was even commenting on the on the, on the video and slagging us actually <laughs> mainly slagging us but uh, no it's great to have him as, as a pal now it's brilliant that's brilliant now would you mind just maybe just to elaborate a little bit on that I'm surprised I suppose in one sense and maybe not in another sense yeah. just about those nerves that might kind of affect you oh, in okay. a new venue in a strange venue like that and yeah. how Ron uh, was able to kind of just kind of talk you through that and help you with sort of tips on how to deal with it. How yeah. did you deal with it? Well, it's a funny one. Like, I guess what I, what I, what I, a lot of things can go wrong when you're on stage. You go out and you might, you might get a bout of nerves as you walk out on the stage and you, they might have the not most impressed faces. <laughs> and you start, your head starts to overthink and you're trying to sing your songs and you're trying to do things, but then you might see somebody on their phone in the audience. You know, if you don't know the audience, if they're not there to see you, you're kind of going out as a showcase yeah. artist, even in a big room like with 5,000 people. Um, and so you have to win them over and, and it's tough in that sense to kind of get your head around it. And so I learned to tap into gratitude to, when I'm on the stage and to kind of forget, say if my sound is bad or something's gone wrong or, you know, <laughs> things people are drunk. I, t I tend to just tap into a load of gratitude and just feel like this is, this is what I wanted all my life is to be able to perform and to sing for people. And I literally, I can imagine the gratitude coming out of my heart. And when you feel the kind of the love in your heart, it, it actually transposes to the audience and then they feel it off you and it comes back to me. And that's how I learned to get over the nerves. And that's why you'll always see me smiling because that's, it's, it's, it's all gratitude and feel so lucky to be able to perform and to sing and particularly in front of an audience, you know. That's very interesting now. and very positive too, I must say. But you mentioned there that you're always smiling. You played at a, a little event many years ago, actually, at Trad Fest, and uh, it was in the House of Lords. 
and your oh, mother yeah. was there actually and i said to her jess i said you know where did you get her she never stops smiling she must have been a very easy child to rear because you do you're you're generally your, your disposition is is one of joy really isn't it well i mean it is on stage now Gary. <laughs> like, andy would argue with you that in Funny. the morning time my disposition is definitely not of joy i have to have about four cups of tea before you see any smiles come out of me in the morning time but um no i think i think it's just i i feel a lot of gratitude for being able to be a performer and um, because it took me uh, i suppose 10 or 12 years to kind of get the nerves out of me because I came from such um a, such a musical family that the, I had a large chip on my shoulder of fear and I went and tried to do a different job completely but I, I I wasn't really listening to my heart and my heart was telling me you should be singing and I just put it down to like I don't want to be a singer I don't want to be for years and years and so I was miserable I made myself miserable by not following my heart because I was listening to the fear and so now when I'm doing it and that actual hour or hour 15 or whatever it is 10 minutes of singing for an audience or for people it just I just feel the most joy and that's the reason why I'm doing the job is just for that hour that I get to do it and that's the best part of the whole thing it's well do you mind then if we recap just a little on that legendary family the black yes. family of course uh, all it seems branches of that family seem to sing <laughs> uh, your uh, Francis Black of course is your mother uh, yes. Mary Black your aunt and all your uncles there was the black family that performed and then you have your cousins what about your own family? Have you siblings that play? I do. I have a brother, Owen, and he is in the business as well. But he's he's now kind of getting to the stage where he, he wants to get out of it. Because really? he kind of started earlier than me. So he was he was 18 and he went to the Bally Firm at Rock School in, in Dublin. And he started playing as he was 18. And he still plays there at night. Now he's studying to be have a PhD and he's trying to get out and trying to trying to do a proper job. Whereas mm. I was, uh, I'm allergic to proper jobs. I can't handle them anymore at all at all, where you have to be in a nine to five. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough situation to, to, um, to be in like that when you're, when you want, don't want to be gigging anymore. So my brother is very musical and I would have watched him gigging as I was growing up um, and seeing him perform way before I performed and he had singles out and albums out and uh, yeah no he's very good and he would have uh, influenced me in my first album he co-produced the first album with me he was in my band when I released Carry the Day and then he decided he wanted to to, 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 to kind of step away from music full-time and he wasn't available to come touring with me when I started touring all over the world so he he stepped back a bit and then Andy came into the kind of came into the scene and, and took over from Andy uh, from my brother playing guitar in the band so yeah I've been very lucky to have Owen grown up because I, I learned basically everything that I know of him yeah, it's great um, to have a mentor like that, yeah, that and that understands yeah. your music as well, and that's you know that has that yeah. empathy with what you're doing yourself. You mentioned there that he's kind of looking at it in a different direction. I got the impression last March, and we're going to discuss that now, uh, that you were looking at possibly a different direction yourself because uh, everything, everything, the whole world came down around every artist uh, and yourself yeah. because you were actually on tour in the states. Yeah, it's it's even weird talking about it here on like yeah, I actually feel emotional talking about it mm. because I'm kind of coming like today you're talking to me at a day where we did we did uh you know a, a, an online gig last night after what six months of no gigs and we had ten people in the audience and it was the most magnificent experience that I've ever had <laughs> it was just the most and we, when we we started to say this the online show or whatever I'll go back to the lockdown but when we started this online show that we tr we tried to put together and there was 10 people in the audience when they clapped for us before we even started singing Cahill who's in my band he actually started to cry and <laughs> we, we all felt this emotion of like oh my god this is actually our 
job again. You know, we we've been silenced for so long, and now we can we can actually perform again, just even for ten people. So I mean, it's been a very very hard time. I've really been suffering, um, with with lowness and sadness, and been struggling with the my identity. <laughs> it's been crazy. Yeah, I'm like well, I'm playing music, but not for people and. That's all I live for. That's where the, my gratitude and the love comes out of. So when you don't get to have that experience, you just start to, I got, it's, it's all I've kind of been breathing for the last six years, I suppose. And when it stops suddenly, you're just like, okay, well, what, what do I do? What do I do now? Like, it, 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 I don't know what to do now. It's uh, been a very, very harrowing experience. And for a lot of musicians, um, and the fact that we still don't know what's going to happen is very scary. So but you just have to keep the head open and and kind of try and figure out ways around it, which is what we've been trying to do. So yeah, I was talking been, uh, to uh, yeah, Jim Page. I was talking to Jim Page in Seattle just a couple of weeks ago here on the podcast, yeah. and he mentioned that actually that suddenly everything was over and just he just kind of lay on the couch. He said for a week or whatever and just gathered his thoughts, and then somebody got him motivated and up again. So he's singing. He's singing online. So, like, yeah. I presume there was a period like that for you when you said, when you actually, you wondered what your future was or, you know, had you made it's, it's, the right decision? Here, it's, 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 a tough, it's a tough situation because it's some days you wake up and you might go, what am I doing? You know what I mean? So, and even that happened to me the day before yesterday. And I was in the middle of doing online stuff and we were in the middle of live streams and stuff. And, and I, you still, you know, because of all the stuff that you're hearing in the media and all the, the negativity and you're just feeling the pain of every single musician, you know, across the world. And you're like, what, are, what's, what's going to happen to us, you know? Um, and, and so it's been tough. So there's been definitely, uh, there was one stage in the lockdown where I spent, I think, about three weeks painting furniture and I did no music at all. And uh, it was a relief to not think about what we were going to do. You know, you kind of have to take a break from what's going to happen and how are we going to survive this and what's going to when are we going to go back to gigging again um because that's constant when you're singing and you're playing music you're like because you don't have the same element there was a plan there for us for the for the next three years and now it's gone so it's a it's a scary element to be in but you, you have to take every day to come and and i don't if i have a sad day one day i go okay well tomorrow might be a actually grant and that's you reach me on a on a day when i'm actually buzzing off my face <laughs> so i'm really happy because we had such a good gig last night we had such a live good live gig last night that i'm so happy we just had the best time so actually yeah, as we amazing. chat you might exactly uh, explain where you are at the moment yeah so well i'm on my holidays in yeah. on my staycation in uh, in county clare in, on the wild atlantic way in a place called quilty and uh, we've been up and down uh, the, the Clare coast. We were actually in Doonan last weekend and we saw our first live show, I suppose, with Sharon Shannon was playing um, an outdoor gig and we, it was very limited capacity and it was the most amazing experience. So we're just on holidays down here having, having fun with my family. And then uh, we decided to move to Kilkee and Cahill came down and Annie's there and Colin. And we decided to do some live streams from Kilkee, which is... Um, an un unbelievably beautiful place that I hadn't ever really experienced before um and yeah so since um all this week we were doing um live streams to different festivals in America and to Tourism Ireland pages and you know over three days combined we collectively 
streamed to Facebook groups of 1.3 million followers. <laughs> so um, it's been, it was a crazy time that we did it, but we just decided let's just go and say hello to a lot of people and, you know, and just stream on a load of pages and all of their followers just combined came to 1.3 million. So um, we did that. And then on the Wednesday, on after that, then we did a gig where I sold tickets online to a live uh, concert stream. And we had 10 people socially distanced in this room and we just performed a gig and just even performing for people other than my parents or, <laughs> or uh, my best friends. Um, it was just the most amazing experience. And uh, we just really enjoyed ourselves. And there was no pressure. I think I said to Carl after this, I was like, there's nothing hard about that gig. And he's like, well, you haven't done it in a while, Aoife. So you're really appreciating it. <laughs> you know, because sometimes gigs can be hard. You know, if I'm not singing well and if a song doesn't go right and I forget the words, you know, you beat yourself up about those mm. things, you know, when you get things kind of get distracted and, and you, you don't you deliver the way that you want to deliver but like I didn't really mind last night because we were enjoying ourselves so much so it was just amazing so we've been doing that and that's we've been retraining reskilling and trying to learn all about online stuff and trying to reach all the people all over the world that we would have been playing for um without you know actually going to their to their places that they live in and yeah. trying to invite them into our our place, so. We did see you online uh, some time ago on the Ireland Performs initiative there by Culture mm -hmm. Ireland. And then following up on that, I think you might have run a couple of gigs yourself online. How was that as an experience That's for you? It's been great. Um, it's It's been different, you know. So when you do the first two few live streams we did, you know, they were kind of a bit ropey. And, and you're trying to figure out the tech and trying to make it work. And, you know, we didn't even have... Uh, broadband in our house in Kildare <laughs> when the lockdown happened we were like how do we do this um then we did Ireland performs and we got such a great uh, reaction from that it was amazing and then we did a few more and you know it's I I always felt a big adrenaline though after the live streams because you know you're performing for these people and then they're gone and there's no after interaction you know there's no like I always hug everybody after the gig yeah. <laughs> and that was actually one of the last things the gigs we did in Florida was like before the lockdown happened the last gig was on the 6th of March and um you know the we were all very aware of being socially distant and um I couldn't hug people after the gig you know and I hug strangers I don't like that's my whole thing like I like hugging people after the gig and that was the thing so I left the gig going what am I going to do if we can't hug people after gigs not thinking that there would be no gigs anymore I just thought what are we going to do if I can't hug people after gigs that was the main thing I was worried about and then we we didn't have any more gigs after that so that was a that was a strange experience but yeah we've been doing so many live gigs and so now what we do is we we um, put a ticket, the tickets up on our website and we sell tickets to a live stream. And so what we've been trying to do, what, what we're planning to do is do a monthly show and and hopefully in a different place in Ireland um, every month. So uh, this month, last month we were in our house in Kildare and this month we were in West Clare in the Wild Atlantic Way and we had an absolute amazing show. And then next month we are looking at maybe going a little bit northwest and uh hopefully having a special guest. My mother was a special guest last night. I roped her into singing a song with me on the live stream and I owe her about 10 cups of tea um, in bed in the mornings. I have to, I owe her that because she wasn't supposed to be working, but I, she came and sang a song with me and we're just having a um, really enjoyable time putting it together and trying to figure out ways of reaching people all over the world. And how can people find out then? You you mentioned the Northwest. Where is the Northwest? Like that you, there's a, a few places there you could possibly be in. Yeah, well, have you some place identified? We're looking possibly at Sligo, but it really depends on the venue. So we haven't locked in a venue because it's, it depends on the room. 
-hmm. And what what we figured out from the live streams is that I don't really enjoy them when I don't have an audience. Um, and so when I have an audience, you'll see me smiling even bigger. And then it's much more enjoyable for me to do the gig. And it's people at home can see that I'm enjoying it. And they're enjoying it. So it all transposes over. Um, and so it's really important to maybe have a socially distant room, you know, where you can put people separate. Like, because at the moment in Ireland, you're allowed 50 people indoors. Um, and so we're, we haven't really been pushing the selling of tickets in, in, for people to come as an audience for in that sense, because it's still a little bit strange um, trying to keep the lockdown and keep everybody safe. Um, but what we're trying to do is keep about 10 or 12 people in a room where I can perform for, online. So we're looking at, at maybe doing it in Sligo and, and doing the live stream from there. And so we, um, we're selling tickets to the live stream on my website and and that way then people get an email link to the live stream and then it happens so yeah we're, we're we we just finished that last one and now we're like looking at the next one and then hopefully another one in october and into the winter we're hoping that it would build and uh yeah that we get more special guests and more musicians uh, to get working that would be the ideal situation these are the new skills that people are developing did you uh, get a chance or were you you know were you in the mood let's say for writing new material i have well we have we've written a really um, emotional song I suppose during lockdown and we are planning to go into the studio next week to uh, record it so whether the recording goes well and we're happy with it then we, we might try and release it in the next month or, or month and a half um, if not then we leave it for another time but it, it's 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 a funny song it's it's written for friends of ours and but it's also written from our point of view of that hopefully in October with the October coming that things will be different and that we will have hope again um uh, so it's kind of still sad to think because you're not sure what's going to happen but um yeah no it's it's all about west clare it's all about kilkee and 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 the west clare roads and how beautiful the wind takes the head off you so i can't help but write songs about ireland kieran i'm a terrible person for being in love with the place but uh that's what happens so well you have a you have a, a very good record with uh, new uh, songs and new single you were single of the year of course with the december letter back in yes. 2019 so i mean you have the knack of putting a decent song together so i'm looking forward to hearing uh, you know the descriptions of uh, the west of ireland in this new song tell us about that experience for you actually uh, the december letter it was the most played uh, record on rte in december of 2019 yeah, that's a, that was a strange experience to happen because, um, you know, we, we kind of, we, what we, ha what we had, we had written the song the year before and we had it out, but we got Ron Block to play on it and it just became, um, just started playing all the time and people started requesting it. And I was just like, what is happening here? Because we didn't have a music video and we didn't really push it and I wasn't really doing any interviews and stuff like that. And it's kind of strange as, a, as an independent artist to try and get your music heard on the radio. Radio One in particular has been amazing, amazingly supportive to female artists and playing their music. And and so there there's no bias for, for, for Irish music being played on radio, radio One, which is amazing. And so when you hear your song being played on Radio One, it is the most magical moment. And so when you and when you hear that it was the most played uh, song in that in December that time, then that's just unbelievable. It really is amazing. And so you'd have people all over Ireland listening to Radio One and send me a videos of every time they hear it, and and then I run to the radio, turn it on, no matter how many times I'd heard it, I'd just keep going, keep listening, like dancing around my kitchen. 
Um, and that's a song that Andy wrote from for his sister who was away. And it, it, it I mean, all of these songs are written from a very, very uh, sore spot in our hearts, or a soft spot in our hearts for places and people, and and generally, um, yeah, full of love, I suppose. So that's and why. of course, uh, where you are now, all along the Wild Atlantic Way, another huge hit for your song of the year, actually, in twenty seventeen, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It we did really well with that as well. So, um, it turns out to be the the one that everybody knows and sings along with, and even if they don't know it they tend to know it by the end of the song because I sing it so many times that they'll have it learnt off and it tends to be a bit of an earworm and I have people texting me going, I can't get that song out of my head, it's driving me mad, but in a good way. So um, yeah, no, it was a great song to be able to, and I got to sing, I got to go on the Late Late Show, which is the biggest show in Ireland um, and sing that and my granny watched it and it was a really big deal. It was, I, I was smiling my head off again like it was my wedding day. <laughs> so I was delighted with myself. <laughs> no, so when you have success like that and you write these you know big blockbuster hits uh is there any pressure then for the next song that you're writing if you know what i mean yeah i think i think that particularly happened with wild atlantic way i got stuck um into writing i couldn't get a second album out because when you think it like uh, carry the day which is what all, all along the wild atlantic way was on it came out in 2016 and then it didn't it took what until 2019 2020 to get homebird out and it, that's what it was it was just the pressure that i felt on myself that i was putting pressure on myself to be able to make i don't know you kind of go i need a hit like that like and and it, that's a, a really stupid if you don't mind me saying way of thinking about it because you know you just have to make the songs that just come out of you that's what i've learned now i can't be you know i can't be relying on hits if you're not gonna uh just go with what your heart is telling you to do which is i think folk music is all about is really speaking from the heart and I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying there. But uh, of course, this time of the year, I know you're on holidays now and you're taking advantage <laughs> of the time off. Of yeah. And I appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us. But normally this time of the year, you'll probably be in the United States. Good. Um, this is a big long tour now we were meant to do. And we were meant to actually start in July, um, in the mid-July in, in Chicago at a big festival there. And then we were meant to be in Michigan. And then we were going to be in Iowa last weekend. and then. This next weekend, we were meant to be in lacrosse and uh, we and then we were all the way up to mid-September. So um, it was uh, it's been a very weird uh, experience to be in Ireland in the summer because we haven't been in Ireland in so long in the summer and been off for this amount of time. So you tend to feel very grateful for that because you get to spend time with your family that you haven't seen. And you know that all these moments, you'll you'll never be able to get them back. But at the same time, you feel a bit lost because who are you without being a musician and, and gigging and, and doing all of that? And, you know, you listen to other musicians like Mary Coughlin, who um, has really lost without being a performer. And that's all she knows. And so many musicians all over Ireland who are so lost without being able to perform. So it's it's a weird phenomenon to be appreciative that we get to stay home, we get to see our beautiful country, and we get to spend time with our lovely family. But at the same time, we're missing being in America, we're missing being performers, and we're missing just seeing everybody over there because it just became such a a yearly uh, ritual now at this stage. So um, yeah, well, hopefully next year we'll get back. And I'd imagine that uh, when you were to be back in Ireland for St Patrick's Day, a bit of a shock when all the pubs were closed when you came home. It was a weird, we flew in, we flew in the morning of Paddy's Day and, it, it, you know, because it was lockdown had happened. So the shops, you know, the shops were all running out of the toilet roll and stuff. And so 
we kind of came home like panicking about trying to get food into the house before we went on lockdown for two weeks to make sure we quarantined, you know, in case we came home with anything. And, and uh, it was a very strange experience to come fly into to Dublin airport on at 6 a.m. on St. Patrick's Day. And and it, then everything is so quiet, like there was nobody on the roads. I mean, you can imagine even on a normal bank holiday that nobody's like at very early, but there was absolutely nobody. It was like an eerie very eerie I mean Ireland in the lockdown was so strange because you wouldn't meet anybody for months for miles and miles if you were walking the miles and miles and and uh, so Patrick's Day was very strange yeah very strange I can't see you but I can actually feel the smile from you actually <laughs> so I think that positivity is back there yeah you know, I, I, kinda, so I get that feel which is really it's lovely to hear because of course we, we our plan is to run Tradfest in January and we are hoping yeah. that we will see you there for sure even if it's only it. 10 people but we'll get you I online know. but certainly have you there um, then what else then would you listen to before we're going to let you go shortly because back to the family and the holidays but okay. what else would you be listening to now at this time uh, apart from you know getting ready for your own music and writing and all that are there any artists that you would have turned to to listen to during this particular lockdown? I'll tell you exactly who I listen to that keeps me sane. And it's a singer from Scotland called Corrine Powart. Yes. And she has a song called Don't Worry. And I would just listen to it like in the old days on repeat, just back to back, back to back. And it just lifts me out of any sadness that I've had. And it just literally speaks to my heart of like, her first line is don't worry, worry and won't pay the bills. Because that's, you know, you're worried about your livelihood. You're worried about how you're going to live. And worrying won't pay the bills. And that just, it just reminds me that I'm so lucky to be wherever I am listening to that song. And um, the and having had the year, the first three months of the year that I had, and I was supposed to be the busiest we would ever been this year. But, you know, you have to let that go. And you can't be thinking of what would have happened. Just think about what's already happened and how lucky I am to be where we are and to be healthy and to you know to be safe I suppose and that we know nobody has been affected by any of this in a, in a in a bad way so you just have to count your blessings and not worry too much about who's gonna who's gonna pay the electricity bill at the end of it all but so, uh we'll be grand we'll just turn off the lights and light the candles we'll be grand so is the plan then to transfer 2020 into 2021 I, I, well, I'm not sure. We'll see. Uh, I mean, yeah, definitely. We're, we're trying to move our gigs to 2021 like everybody else is though. So it's, it's a tough situation to, to work it all out because everybody, all the musicians are all trying to book again. And, um, you know, you're just waiting. And a lot of the times, a lot of venues, they're still not open fully yet. You know, their bookers aren't back and you're just kind of biding your time waiting. I mean, we, at the moment, we still have a show in in Denmark in in September that hasn't been cancelled, so we're we're you know we're we're waiting on the call and that and and to to you know because I'm like teetering I don't know what I'm doing half the time so, um we just you have to take it literally month by month and you look at what happened this week in in Ireland where the pubs were out opened and then all the gigs that were planned are all cancelled now there was small gigs going to be planned in Wheelands and all of those are going to be pushed back again so. You just have to take it month by month and see how it goes. And, and I'm hoping that 2021 will be um, as busy as 2020 was. But I know that I had a great three, first three months of, of mad travels and great gigs. So I'm, I'm happy with what we had. Well, Eva Scott, we hope we'll see you in January at Tradfest. It's a pleasure always and uplifting to speak to you. Thanks a million for being our guest here on the podcast. Thanks so much, Kieran. 
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We look forward to when we're all together again in music at next year's Tradfest, provisionally set for the 27th through the 31st of January 2021. And while we're all waiting for the day when it's safe to travel again, you can fill your heart with Ireland by going to ireland.com. Ireland.